let's uh, take our Bible, turn to Joshua 11. You're probably there. We'll look at verses 15 uh, through 23. And if you would, stand with me as we read God's Word together. Joshua 15. The Bible says, uh, Joshua 11, verse 15, the Bible says, And the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. What a great verse that is. So Joshua took all that land, the hills, and all the south country, and all the land of Goshen, and the valley, and the plain, and the mountain of Israel, and the valley of the same, even, even from Mount Halak that goeth up to Seir, even unto uh, Belgad in the valley of Lebanon, under Mount Hermon, and, and all their kings he took and smote them and slew them. Verse 18 says, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all other they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should uh, come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. And at that time jo uh, came Joshua and cut off all the Anakims from the mountains, uh, from Hebron, from Deber, from Anab. And from all the mountains of Judah and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the evening that you've given to us and just the great day that we've had in church. Lord, we thank you that we have a place to come uh, to hear the word of God preached, to hear your name lifted up and songs of praise sung to you. Lord, um, I don't know uh, what everyone here tonight is facing, um, Lord, there's, there's battles that go all around us and in each of our lives. And, um, and if we're not, uh, Lord, it's sure to come. And we ask tonight that you would uh, just uh, speak to our hearts as we look at this passage of Scripture. And I ask, Lord, that you would use me tonight to be a blessing and uh, fill me with your spirit tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Tonight I want to just preach a message I've entitled The Important Qualities to Succeed in the Battle or in the Conflict. In Joshua chapters 11 and 12, we have a, a sort of a summary of what has happened so far under the leadership of Joshua. And it's a summary of the battles that they have fought really since crossing over the Jordan River. The main battles really are over. The land, the Bible says, is at rest from war. And I used to wonder uh, back when I was younger what the rest of the book of Joshua was about now that all of the war stories were told. <laughs> and uh, because when you read 
in this, they're, they're pretty much over right now, and, but you still have a bunch of chapters left, right? And so the first half of the book was always exciting, and the, uh, the war stories, the battles, and then the second half is, you know, dividing up the land. And uh, I thought it back, in the, back when I was younger, it wasn't that interesting. But uh, I noticed that as this past year, as I, I took our church in, in Croatia through the book of Joshua, uh, I really, as I studied it, really uh, became enthralled with even the second half of the book, and it's really exciting as well, and some great lessons in there. And um, but when you think about it, there um, there's really only been uh, we have we if you know the story of uh, of Joshua here, there's been the account of the Battle of Jericho. Okay, uh, the Battle of Ai, which, and then that southern battle, and then the battle in the north. So uh, not every battle uh, that they fought was really mentioned in the book. So in fact, chapter 12 uh, gives us a list of all of the kings that Joshua defeated, and I won't take the time to read all of chapter 12, but I just want to, uh, for now, Look at chapter 12 and verse 1, and then chapter 12 and verse 24. So the first verse and the last verse. The Bible says there in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now these are the, the, the kings of the land which the children of Israel smote, and possessed their land on the other side Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon unto Mount Hermon, and all the plain on the east. And then Joshua 12, 24 says, The king of Tirzah 1, all the kings, 30 and 1. 31, okay? 31 kings that Joshua had defeated. Plus, on the other side, there was Sihon and Og. And, and so there was 33 kings uh, altogether. And uh, so the, the, the first 11 chapters are, are just a condensed account of some of the major battles. And, and if you think about it, the Bible itself is a condensed account, isn't it? Uh, the Bible would be really big uh, if everything that ever happened was included. We would have a really hard time bringing our Bibles to church tonight. And, um, but in the, in the first chapter, or the first part of chapter 11, the, we're, we're really given account uh, of the last battle recorded and, and really probably the hardest battle with the enemies in the north. That was the first part of chapter 11. But uh, it was probably the hardest battle because the enemies that were in the north, they had a huge army, okay? They also had uh, something that the Israelites had not encountered before, and that, of course, was chariots and horses. And uh, that was something new. And, and what... What's amazing is how God just encouraged Joshua, and God gave Joshua a strategy to win. And, of course, Joshua followed that strategy, and he finished the job that was given to him. Um, you know, it's interesting, really, to see how each battle was more difficult than the previous battle. You, uh, you might remember, of course, uh, um, the Battle of Jericho. 
and uh, the children of Israel, they only had to march around the city, right, um, once a day, and then the last day they marched around seven times, and then they shouted. That was it. They blew some trumpets too. Um, and God knocked down the walls, and God gave the victory. They didn't really have to do a whole lot, but then the next battle with Ai, right? Um, Ai was a little bit different. Uh, they didn't know there was sin in the camp, of course, at the time, and so they're, they're thinking everything's good, Jericho, no problem. Uh, let's just, uh, you know, Ai, it's a little town, you know, just send a couple thousand, and so they send a couple thousand, and, and they got defeated, right? Of course, um, they got defeated because of the sin that was in the camp, but uh, then they dealt with that, and God gave them a strategy, and they defeated Ai. And then, I like the, the, the story of the southern campaign a lot. That's one of my favorite stories. Um, the, uh, the army uh, of Israel, they were involved there, but um, God uh, did some amazing things in that battle. There were some amazing miracles. And uh, it's, it, like I said, it's just interesting to see how each battle was different. And God really came through on that day and did a couple amazing miracles. And one was, of course, the sun stood still. And then um, God also used those hailstones. And I, I think, I, I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty amazing thing. And uh, you're fighting a battle, probably hand-to-hand -hand combat, and all of a sudden a, a hailstone, a guided hailstone from God hits the other guy right in the head. But it doesn't hit the Israelites. So it's pretty amazing um, you know, uh, we, you know, uh, Americans have all the smart technology and the smart bombs. They can put a, a missile right through your front door if they wanted to, you know, uh, of the enemy, of course. Um, but, uh, God already had that technology way back then and he used something a lot cheaper than a missile and that was a hailstone. So I, I thought that was pretty good. But the, the Northern campaign, you know, um, uh, God told them what to do. And they just went and did it. You know, God didn't do any amazing miracle at that point. Uh, he told them to burn their chariots and hoe their horses, right? Uh, they, so the, 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 the battle was more uh, of the Israelites doing it, okay, in that one. And um, the people were involved. And they're, they're, they're just following God's direction. And they're, they're following Joshua's leadership. And so... What God was doing, though, in each of these battles, he was growing them up. He was maturing them. And, uh, uh, and, and, and as they faced different battles, they were getting more and more um, experience and growing uh, in a different way. So, and, and as we all know, the crossing, the, the crossing of the Jordan River and the Promised Land is a picture of the victorious Christian life. And, uh, you know, we, we become Christians by grace through faith. And we also live the Christian life the same way, by grace through faith. You know, God begins working in us. He begins working in us in our lives after we get saved. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to mature us. He's trying to, to help us grow closer to him. You know, victory... It does not always come easy, and it doesn't always come quickly, as we've seen in Joshua. One of, 
One thing we need to remember as Christians is that as long as we're on this earth, we will have battles to fight. The Christian life really is one battle after another. But the lessons that I find here in the book of Joshua will help us learn, I believe, how we can fight this battle successfully so that we can also continue to grow spiritually and grow into Christian maturity. Here in this text, I see three qualities in Joshua that really helped him be victorious. And and these three qualities or these three characteristics, I believe, can help us also be victorious in the battles as we mature as Christians. And I wanted you to see, first of all, here in verse 15, the quality I see here is obedience. Obedience. The Bible says in verse 15, again, as the Lord commanded Moses... His servant. So did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. I love verse 15 because it just shows how Joshua finished the job that was given to him. He did not do, do it part way, uh, he didn't do it his own way. Okay? He, he did what Moses had told him to do. Were mistakes made? Sure. You know, we know the, the mistake they made with the Gibeonites um, and how they deceived, the Gibeonites deceived Joshua and the children of Israel. So, uh, so mistakes were made, but for the most part, Joshua did what he was supposed to do. But he had a great testimony. But we see in this verse, a characteristic that Joshua had, and that characteristic, I believe, is called simple obedience. Everything that Moses had commanded Joshua, okay, he did it. The Bible says he left nothing undone. Joshua obeyed. And and this might sound strange to us, because Joshua was the general. Uh, who Who did he need to be accountable to? Uh, He was the one that was in charge. God put him in charge after Moses died. And uh, uh, who did he need to obey? You know, Joshua learned early on, even before the battle of Jericho, that that even though he was in charge, there was someone else above him. There was someone else above him. And and, uh, look back at uh, Joshua chapter 5. And no doubt you already know who this is. Joshua 5 verse 13 We'll look at that. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and, unto, and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Even though God put Joshua in a place of authority, in a place of leadership, Over the children of Israel, he took Moses' place. He, Joshua, still had an obligation to be obedient to God and 
to his plan. The captain of the host of the Lord, you know, an Old Testament appearance of God or appearance of Jesus, a captain of the host of the Lord, Joshua bowed down to him and worshipped him. And the only person worthy of worship, of course, is God. You know, Joshua obeyed. You know, I think of many examples of obedience in the Bible. Many, many examples. Uh, one, for example, is Abraham. Uh, Abraham was obedient to God when God came to him and told him it was time to move. Well, uh, turn over to Genesis chapter 12. We'll just look at a couple verses here. Genesis chapter 12. In verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee. Okay, so we know the story that God came to Abraham and said, I want you to move. Verse number 4, it says, so Abram departed, just obeyed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Um, look, uh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 as well. Uh, I like what Hebrews 11 verse 8 says. Hebrews 11, verse 8, the hall of faith. Mr. Abraham is in here. It says in verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. He obeyed. Simple obedience. Look back in Genesis chapter 22. And uh, Genesis 22, this is the account of when God had, of course, told Abraham to sacrifice his only son. And uh, we won't read all of it, but um, I just want to show you a couple verses here just to show obedience. And sometimes I think we just need to be reminded that just like Joshua was obedient to God, we too need to be obedient to God as his people. Genesis 22, verse 12, it says, And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham did what God said and was about ready to sacrifice his son. And God said, Wait, I see that you're, that you're willing. And... Uh, to, to sacrifice your son for me. Look at verse 18. It says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. You know, those blessings that come from obedience. What a, what a thought that is. Abraham obeyed God, and because he did, he was blessed. Well, I don't think... You know, I think if we're obedient to God, God's going to bless us too. You know, um, look over uh, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11. Deuteronomy 11, 
Look at verse number 26. This is, um, it says here in verse 26, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And that's, of course, Moses um, giving encouragement to the people, the children of Israel, saying, hey, um, Uh, There's a blessing if you obey. There's a curse if you disobey. Even Jesus Christ was obedient. And uh, Philippians 2.8, we probably know that verse by heart. It says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He became obedient. The key characteristic, I believe, in any person that God chooses to use will be in their obedience to him. You know, while the Bible places, of course, a strong emphasis on obedience, it's, it's really critical to, to remember that believers are not justified or made righteous by our obedience. Salvation, of course, is a free gift. Uh, it's a free gift of God, and we can do nothing, of course, to merit that. And, and true Christian obedience will flow from a heart of gratitude for the grace that we have received ourselves from the Lord. So uh, we can go back into our text in Joshua chapter 11, and um, we see that verse 15, and we see that obedience. And because he was obedient uh, to, to what Moses had told him and, and to what God had told Moses, uh, there was a list of victories, not a list of defeats. He defeated 31 kings, 33 kings altogether, and uh, uh, he was victorious because he was obedient. He was only defeated at Ai, but uh, God turned that into a victory as well. I wonder that tonight, how is our obedience to God? Are we obedient to, to walk with him each day? Are we obedient to, to be in church, to come to church? Um, boy, I tell you, there's no better place to be when the battles are raging than in church. You know, are we obedient to, to give of our tithe, to give uh, to missions, to, to be obedient, to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, I believe that defeat in the Christian life comes many times because we're disobedient to what God wants us to do. So uh, if we're going to be successful and succeed in that battle, I believe that we need to be obedient Christians. I see secondly here in in our text in verse 18, the equality of determination. Equality of determination. Joshua, the Bible says, made war a long time with all those kings. A long time. You know, uh, sometimes we, as we read the Bible, we lose track of how long something is taking. And the Bible says it took a long time to defeat all these kings. And uh, uh, to keep fighting year after year after year after year, to me, would be exhausting. Uh, They didn't get to ride around in tanks. 
You know, they didn't get to fly around in airplanes and helicopters. Uh, they walked everywhere. They hiked. And uh, uh, they uh, no doubt were exhausted from all of this, um, traipsing all around the promised land and up the hills and down. And, uh, but uh, that fighting would have been extremely exhausting. Um, but Joshua, I see here, and the children of Israel, they stayed determined. Okay? They fought for a long time. Now, we don't know for sure how long this war went on in the Promised Land, but uh, uh, some people have estimated it took between five and uh, seven years. And that's a long time for a war to go on. That's a long time to be engaged in a battle. Uh, from the time they crossed that Jordan River until this time right now, there's probably about, like I said, seven years of fighting and seven years of war. And uh, again, chapter 12 gives out, all of those battles, they're fighting battles, 31 battles inside the promised land. And the lesson I believe here is that if we're going to be victorious Christians, it's going to take some time, isn't it? We have to have some determination because it doesn't happen overnight. All of us know that. Uh, so I wish it would, but it doesn't. It takes time to grow. It takes time to mature. And, uh, you know, this is a really a lifetime thing of spiritual growth. Just every single day, day after day after day, being engaged in the battle. Uh, yeah, it's going to take a long time, but we have to be determined to, to grow. We have to be determined to mature. We have to be determined uh, to keep on, uh, keep on going. Because if we decide not to, if we decide to give up one day, you know the enemy is right there, isn't he? That enemy is there, that we have an enemy, he wants to destroy us, he does not want us to be victorious. He wants to do everything he can to attack us, he wants to defeat us, uh, he wants to uh, ruin our life, he wants to ruin our testimony. And, uh, and all of us know that, but we have to be determined to stay in the battle each and every day. You know, many people think and, you know, that once they get saved, maybe a new Christian might think this, but that nothing bad will ever happen to them. Everything's going to work out good and, um, you know, there's going to be money in the bank and there's going to just, everything's going to go right. But uh, we all know that that's not true. Um, uh, the truth is the moment that we're saved, we enter into a spiritual battle with the world, with the flesh, and with the devil. Now, we can also see here uh, the mercy of God as well. These battles that Joshua fought were over a period of time, you know, uh, which uh, they weren't, they didn't happen all at once. They didn't just kind of, you know, he didn't just throw all those things on him at one time. It was one at a time. And uh, um, I'm, I'm glad that God uh, did that because God gave them what they could handle. And uh, um, like I said earlier, the, the battles got harder and harder because they were able to handle more and more um, because they had grown. They had grown to a point where they could handle it as long as they trusted in God. 
I think of a, a verse in, in Deuteronomy 7.22 where the Bible says, And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. I like that phrase there, by little and little. And uh, that means a little at a time, not all at once. And, you know, if, it, if things happened all at once, it would be hard to handle that. We would be discouraged for sure. And, uh, that's, and God, that's how God works in our life. He doesn't allow trials to come and heartaches to come and problems to come all upon us all at once. Sometimes it may seem like it, but he doesn't give us more uh, than we can handle. It, he, he can handle it, obviously. He, does, he doesn't let us experience that all at the same time. But um, as I think about Christian growth and Christian development, how it's a process over time, and that, um, and that God knows how to kind of try us, right? He knows when to put the fire on us and to back off. He, he knows all that. And uh, even in the book of Joshua, God, he was at work. He fought for Israel. Uh, they, they still had that responsibility, though, just to, be, uh, to endure and to be determined to fight in the battle. They weren't to give up. Um, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God will work in us uh, to accomplish what he wants from us. I wonder if we have this quality of determination tonight. You know, uh, are we determined to be obedient? Okay, uh, are we determined to be in this fight for our whole lives? Or are we gonna be in church for a few years and then just, eh, this is too much for me, and back out? And uh, I hope not. I hope we'll be determined to stay in the battle for our life. Because that's, that's what a good soldier does. A good soldier doesn't kind of just back out when it gets hard. And uh, I hope that we will see that here and be determined uh, as well. Now, the last quality here I see in, the, in our text in Joshua 11 is the quality of fearlessness. The quality of fearlessness. Look at verse 21 again in 22. The Bible says, And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains and from Hebron, from Deber, from Anab, and from the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza, which is interesting, in Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. Now these verses mention a group of people called the Anakims. These are the, the last people group mentioned here. And uh, these Anakims are the people that caused the children of Israel to fear. And to not claim the land, the promised land, 40 years earlier. Um, let's... Uh, Go back to Numbers 13, and we'll just look at a few verses here. And back in Numbers 13, Numbers chapter 13, verse number uh, 
The Bible says in verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Okay, the same people. Verse 31, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they uh, brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land... Uh, through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the, the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, right, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So these Anakims, 40 years earlier, they scared the children of Israel so much that they were sure that not even God could beat them in battle. That's how badly they, they were fearful of these people. And now, as we've read, the last people that Joshua defeated were the Anakims. And they learned that what they feared most before was never something to fear in the first place, right? And uh, you know, I, I believe we should just... Uh, learn from this account that God's power is certainly adequate to deal with any of our fears. And the children of Israel, they here they had grown to a point where they could again trust God and to, uh, that God would enable them to face their most feared enemy, the Anakims. Um, I was thinking about this today as I was just going over my notes and uh, a time when, uh, when we, I guess maybe I, was a bit fearful. And that was when we first went to, to Russia as missionaries back uh, 20 years ago. Uh, we, we landed in Siberia, Russia, as, and uh, with three little kids. Sarah was eight months old, and um, <clears throat> it was April and they, the missionary that met us there took us to this uh, apartment building. And on the, first, on the third floor, we lived. And uh, we had rented an apartment, sight unseen. And um, we, uh, we walked in there. The, I'm looking around the neighborhood, you know how you do. It's wondering, uh, it looks a little sketchy out here, you know. And I don't know if I, this neighborhoods very good you know and we had never really we'd never been there so this is our first time seeing all this um, I had been to Moscow one time but never been to Siberia so um, I don't recommend that as uh, I don't know who told us to do that but anyways we, we lived to tell the tale um, but we got there and we went up the stairs with our stuff and uh, there was a metal door okay and this metal door had like any locks on it, and so unlock, 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 unlock. So there's these bolts that go in the side and bolts up and down, and I was like, hmm, and I'm thinking, what kind of neighborhood is this? And then once we got that door open, the metal door, uh, the metal security door, there was another door. So there's two doors. So you open the metal one, and then your wooden door, normal door, and uh, there's a few locks on that one, and unlock, unlock, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what did we get ourselves into here? And um, so we were, I was a bit fearful, and uh, we didn't know what we were doing, and missionary, they dropped our stuff off and left. And so 
we're like, okay, I'm going to lock all these doors really quick as he leaves. And uh, so I just remember sitting in there wondering what kind of neighborhood we're in. We're foreigners. We don't know the language. We don't know anything. And we're fearful. And uh, I had to force myself really to go outside. I had to force myself to go across the street as, and the only word in Russian that I knew was Coca-Cola, okay? And uh, that's the only word. So thankfully it was the same as English. And I went across the street and bought a Coca-Cola. And as, that, was, um, that was exciting. <laughs> and uh, uh, of course, eventually we learned uh, to over, that God, you know, we were fearful, fearful for nothing, basically. And uh, we got to know our neighbors and the people there and began to learn the language and got to speak to them. And uh, things got easier and easier. And there was no reason really to fear, to be fearful. So God's, um, and I think that's sort of what these people were learning in our text, that they grew to a point where they could just trust God. That God would take care of them, that God would help them face their enemy and face their fears. But what about us today? Have we grown to a point today where we can face our greatest fear? I don't know what fears you might have today, but we need to remember that Jesus Christ is still sitting at the right hand of God. You know, he sees what's going on in our lives. Uh, he knows what's going on, and, and he has everything under control. He is sovereign. And I like what Isaiah 43 says in verses uh, 1 through 3. It says, but now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned." Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. You know, the mistake that the children of Israel made way back in Numbers 13 was that they compared the giants, the Anakims, uh, um, to themselves instead of comparing them to their God. And, uh, you know, we can move forward I believe, for God if we keep that in our mind. And so we see here tonight these, just these three qualities that if we're going to just um, succeed in the battle, succeed in the conflict, uh, we just need to be obedient, don't we? We just need to do what God tells us to do. We just need to be determined to, to face our battles and fight our battles and, and, and know that God is going to be with us and, and fight for us. And, and God did that with Israel many times. And he does it with us. And we just have to have that determination. And then that fearlessness. Uh, Joshua wasn't afraid of... He wasn't... Him and Caleb were not afraid of these Anakims way back then. Okay? The whole... The, the rest of them were. And Joshua and Caleb, they wanted to take care of these Anakims way back... Uh, way back before in Numbers 13. They say, hey, let's go get them. We can take them. And... Uh, they were, they were fearless back then, and they still are today. And the rest of the children of Israel, I believe, learned uh, that they could also face their fears and, as well. And so I hope this will just be a blessing and encouragement to you today, just to be obedient, to be determined, and then just to be 
fearless as well. So let's pray tonight.